So we're continuing. In Mark, we are walking alongside Jesus as he brought the good news to the people of God. And they, and we, continue to be surprised by him. They were astounded by his authority. They were surprised by the people he chose to hang out with, the things he was capable of doing, the things he had to say, and who he said them to. So let's hear from Mark now as he relates an encounter between Jesus and the Pharisees, those who held and interpreted the law given to the Israelites back in the wilderness. So we're in Mark 7. It should come up on the screen, but if you want to turn to your Bibles, Mark 7, uh, verses 1 to 5 initially. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. And this is a really helpful mark explaining to us what's going on. Because the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands. Loving God, we thank you that you gave us your word, that you have given us your word to absorb, to understand, to wrestle with. So walk with us, we pray, as we do just that now. Speak to us through your words, by your powerful and mighty Holy Spirit, in your name. Amen. It's sad, isn't it? Because the people of God, his chosen people, had waited so long for their Messiah, their Savior. And he was standing in front of them. And they were still mostly in danger of missing him of missing what it was that he had to say to them and missing what was really important. So are we, are we in danger of missing what God is really saying? Because it's too surprising, because it's too far away from what we expect, too far away from what we assume because of what we've been told in the past, because of our own layers of interpretation and assumption. Well, sometimes a good way of shaking up our expectations is to ask, what if? Oh, I give you this as a lesson for life, but specifically for the Bible. So what if, for instance, the angel Gabriel hadn't told the shepherds 
but had given the good news of Jesus' birth to the priests instead. I have, <laughs> I have preached on that. It's interesting. What if David had built the temple as he wanted to, but God gently suggested was not his job? What if? So, what if? Jesus had answered the question, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? What if Jesus had said, aren't they doing that? Oh, that's awful. I'll get right on that because traditions are as important as the law. Because then the rest of the story might have gone something like this. And Jesus spoke to his disciples in this way. The laws of God and the traditions of man go hand in hand and they all lead to the glory of God because man knows as much as God and understands all the ways of God. The kingdom of God is at hand and it is in the hands of man to make it come about. There was a man who owned a field of lilies and they were beautiful flowers made by God. But when the man painted them with gold leaf and put diamonds on the leaves, verily, were they still more beautiful? So it is with the word of God, it can always be made better by man. But, and I cannot emphasize this strongly enough, he did not. So what if? Jesus had answered the question, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Like this. Oh, I'm so glad you pointed that out. God loves ritual for its own sake. I myself value ritual highly because it is such a good way of bringing the kingdom of God closer. Because then the rest of the story might have gone like this. And Jesus spoke to them of Moses and the prophets and reminded them of all the times that the way people had done things and the things that they had done were more important than what was in their hearts. Like the time that Abraham went ahead and killed his son Isaac because God had asked him to perform a ritual sacrifice, or the time that David welcomed the ark back to Jerusalem with great solemnity and pageantry and definitely didn't get so happy he danced in his pants in the street. You see, verily I tell you, doing things is more important than meaning them or loving God. But, and again, I cannot emphasize this strongly enough, he did not. Jesus did not emphasize tradition or ritual. Jesus answered like this, and we are picking up in verse 5, because we haven't heard it enough. Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? And Jesus replied, actually, word of God, like this. 
Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. And we are in good company if that doesn't immediately land or sink in. Jesus had to explain it in quite a lot of detail to the people around him and then later again to the disciples. So what is he saying? Well, here's what he's definitely not saying. He is not saying that the law, ancient and strict as it was, the law given by God to Moses, to the Israelites, that law. Jesus is not saying that is to be abandoned or ignored. In fact, it's the opposite. Jesus is pointing out that the law is just fine as it is. Honor your father and mother stands as a law. The problem Pharisees is with your layers. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, Chris told us <clears throat> in telling us the story of Levi about the traditions as layers of extra responsibility, liability, extra weight on top of the law as it was given. And the traditions of washing, for instance, were so onerous, so difficult, that you had to be a full-time Pharisee, full-time misery guards potentially, to have the time and wherewithal to wash ritually. Now, we could, and people have, argued that washing is sensible, that of course the, the Pharisees washed when they came back from the icky, yucky market. It wasn't hygienic washing. There weren't nice little um, you know, sanitizer hand pumps at every corner. And they didn't sing happy birthday, not once. So it wasn't about being clean. It was about being ritually clean. There were very specific movements that they had to do. And it wasn't about being clean. It was about following a tradition. <clears throat> tradition. 
And it was a, a tradition that they had to do when they came back from the market, before a meal, between every course. It was a weighty layer of responsibility that nobody could live up to bar this handful of Pharisees. There is a story of a Pharisee who was imprisoned by the Romans, for instance, at this time, at the time of Jesus. And he was given a, a meager water ration whilst imprisoned, but he didn't use it to drink. He used it to ritually wash because that was more important. And he was applauded for nearly dying for that. But it was a tradition, not the law. And Jesus makes clear that distinction by, with a really specific example. So the law given by God is honour your father and mother, respect, love, care for. And then on top of that, there's a man-made tradition which says some things are korban, dedicated to God. I can't use that. It's been dedicated to God. It was given to me by God, so I dedicate it to God. Which is a nice idea, unless, as people were doing, they were saying, ah, oh, <clears throat> I can't use that because I dedicated it to God. Oh, say the Pharisees, in that case, you haven't got anything left over to look after your parents. Don't worry about them. They'll be fine. Well, that's not the law. That's a layer of tradition, which is allowing people to get out of following the law. So the question that the Pharisees didn't dare ask out loud is this. What if? What if Jesus really is the Son of God? What if he really is ushering in a new era of the kingdom of God and he really does understand what God really wants? What if this Jesus understands the law better than us, the teachers of the law? And if just one of them, like Nicodemus, had actually asked that question, then maybe the story would have gone like this. The Pharisees were confused that the disciples weren't following tradition, even though Jesus clearly knew his scripture and his traditions. So they asked, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Do you know something we don't? And Jesus replied, thank you for asking. I've come to tell everybody the good news that the kingdom of God is here and the law God's law is an important part of that. It's vital that we understand the law and God's word. And I remember 
the father's original purpose. So here's the thing. God gave the law for one reason only, to help his people be his people, separate from others, different, ordered in a world of chaos, just in a world of injustice, caring in a world of indifference, closer to each other and closer to him. And Jesus continued, so the question is, does your hand washing bring you closer to God? Does it enable other people to come closer to God? Does it shout to others that you love a God of power and might and justice and love? Does it demonstrate that God is front and center in your life? Does it? And Jesus became hungry and had compassion upon them and invited the Pharisees to eat with him. And they continued to listen over a simple meal. Tell me, said Jesus, why do you think God gave the commandment to honor your parents? And the Pharisees did shuffle in their seats and look shiftily at one another. At once, one of them spoke up. Uh, to help us remember that family and age are worthy of respect? Yes, said Jesus, to emphasize the importance of relationship, of healthy community. And who is the father and mother of us all? Treating our closest family with love and respect brings us closer to God then. And the Pharisees did not and stroke their beards wisely. And Jesus continued, Corban makes some wealth untouchable because it is God's. And I ask you, which is more important to God according to the law, your wealth or your parents? Is honoring wealth one of God's commandments? And the Pharisees did shuffle again. Truly, Jesus said, truly I tell you, anyone who obeys a man-made religious rule that ignores a God-given law is not really loving God. So whatever the Pharisees suggested, we do not see Jesus ignoring the law. We see Jesus explaining the law. We see him challenging the law as it is practiced and certainly questioning the traditions that have been layered upon the law. And we see him expanding, expounding upon the law. As a good example, in Matthew 5, part of the Sermon on the Mount. <coughs> Sorry. We're in uh, Matthew 5, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. It's a hard, hard thing to hear. 
but this is where it comes from. The law, the law of Talion, an eye for an eye, was to keep retribution proportionate and just. It was to keep revenge limited. And anyone who's ever read of Viking blood feuds, or, or for that matter, gang-related revenge violence today, can see how unlimited revenge, tit-for-tat killings, they get out of hand really quickly. Talion was designed to prevent that, to make people think before any kind of violence, because it was to remind them that life, all life, is worth the same as their own. We are all made in the image of God. So all our lives have real value. And Talion reminds us of that. And we need to see the Talion law, eye for an eye, as the actually quite forward thinking, the certainly much better than what went before option. And Jesus did. And then expanded that law to say, well done if you understand that. Well done if you understand that unlimited violence is a bad thing. The next step is to cease seeking retribution of any kind, to end the cycle of violence with forgiveness and trust in God's justice not your own. So what we don't see, either there in Matthew and certainly not in our passage in Mark, is Jesus ignoring or trying to get rid of the law. And that is hard for some of us. Because we have a vision sometimes of the Old Testament God as big, beard, judgy, violent, all about the impossible to keep laws. And then on the other hand, New Testament Jesus, he had a more of a hipster beard, forgiving, sweet, so much more laissez-faire about those laws. It's a false image. Both of those images are false, and it's, of course it leads to disconnect because it's simply not true. So when Jesus said, I have not come to end the law but to fulfill it, he did not want to abandon centuries of the law's existence, but to show what it looked like. To live by the law, to live as the law, and certainly not the frilly bits that have been added on around the edges. And if we look at it like this, as it is, that that Old Testament God gave the law as a kindness, as a sign of his love. My people, my children, who I made in my own image, I have such plans for you. I had a beautiful place for you and it will come again. But in the meantime, 
I look at you and I see that you don't know how to live. You don't know how to be together. You don't know how to talk to me and be with me. I give you the law as a kindness, as a direction, as a way to show you how to be. And then God gives Jesus as an even greater kindness. Oh, my children, whom I still love, I see that you still don't really get it. I see that you want to add bits onto the good law that I gave you. You don't have the hang of how to live. You don't understand how much I love you. You don't understand what it's all for. Let me show you. God is the same. Yesterday, back in the wilderness with Moses, in the wilderness with Jesus. And today, here in this room with us. And forever. He offers grace and truth. Grace, which is kindness, truth, which can be hard, but he offers them together. And in that forever, he will come again and heaven and earth will roll back and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and God will live with us. And there won't be a need for the law anymore. So one last what if question. What if it was, in fact, us who got to shape religion? Now, the Pharisees thought it was up to them to tweak religion on God's behalf. And it's a little too easy for us to tut at their silliness. They don't really know what they're doing. But let's pretend. Let's pretend that it was up to humans to shape God's church. What would that look like? Well, it might look like churches that are set up for people like me, whatever I happen to be like. So there might be middle-class churches, white churches, male-dominated churches. Churches where our cultural expectations somehow become God's expectations. So only some, <clears throat> only some people are clever enough or wise enough or rich enough or educated enough or old enough to run things. We might have churches that become pawns in political arguments, backing or not wars, supporting or not empire or slavery, churches that place more value on their buildings or their leaders or their wealth or their power than on God himself. Hmm. So it's just possible that the last few hundred years have seen us do exactly what the Pharisees did, forgetting the kind of world God intended by adding layers of rules and expectations and judgment onto the relatively simple vision that God had in his creation. 
And then in his law and his covenant with his people, his agreement that said, I will love you. Fresh mercies every morning. And then in its fulfillment in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. So it is always worth asking the question, why do we do that? Because if the answer isn't, it brings us closer to God. It enables others to come closer to God. It shouts to others that we love the God of power and might and justice and love. It demonstrates beyond doubt that God is front and center in my life. Then why are we doing it? We assume that Jesus will fit into the mold that we have made for him. The straitjacket of our very limited understanding of the law and what it means for us. And once again, he surprises the Pharisees and us by stripping it back to the heart of God's desire for us. And that is a life lived close to God. It's not that Jesus creates a whole new mold or a different kind of God. Jesus shows us the reality of what God always intended for us. Jesus lived a life of grace and truth. And that means accepting God's truth. And that means submitting to his judgment and his loving correction and enjoying his grace, his merciful guidance, and thankfully, his forgiveness. And Jesus calls us to the same life of obedience. And that is not different than the God of the Old Testament who loved us and called us to follow a life of obedience. So one last, last what if question. And this one I'm going to leave with us to percolate and furcle over the coming week. What if Jesus were here with us now? I say what if, he is, but you know what I mean. What if Jesus were here right now? Would he recognize our worship? Would he recognize our lives? Would he recognize our friendships, this fellowship, as his? Gracious God, thank you for your law. And we pray guide us, keep us safe within your limits, not our own. And thank you for your son. Jesus, our redeemer and rescuer, take our lives, our friendships, our fellowship, take this worship and make it yours. Make it worthy, we pray. In your powerful name, amen.